I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the latest Shaky Show. What a weekend we have had. Greg Haynes here. Shaky, where do we start? I mean, it's been a well another phenomenal weekend. I think it's fair to say it's been a success, hasn't it, on the national circuit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the first time since 2002 that the guys have actually raced here. Um, and the ironic thing is, it is my debut win yeah. that uh, was the last race here. Felt a little bit awkward today, actually, being here and, and just kind of, you know, watching other guys, you know, racing around. You know, people, people laugh and joke with me and I laugh and joke with them about the fact that you know when um, you know when the, the conditions aren't great and the weather's looking rubbish or it pours up with rain it must be nice to you know to, to, to work with Eurosport and you know on the contrary it's nice to work with Eurosport full stop um, I really enjoyed my time with you guys but yeah today watching that last race and uh, you know seeing the guys battling out in the dry and watching the overtakes and stuff you know yeah. I miss it bad yeah it's really honest of you to say that though yeah, yeah it must be difficult because you hear that you're not here as you want to be I suppose are you but you never know what the future will bring exactly you never know um, the one thing I can say is that um, the number of people wishing me well and the number yeah. of people asking what the plan is and the number of people asking if I'm going to get back on a bike never seems to diminish and that's a really nice feeling because it means I guess that you you know you've kind of for want of a better word you've touched a load of people you know yeah. you, you, you appeal to them they enjoy watching you do what you do and nobody enjoys what I do more than than, than me you know so mm-hmm. you know to know that people get enjoyment out of it too is, is fantastic but um, it also makes it it makes it a little bit difficult at times because all I really want to say is oh I can tell you this on then or, or yes or no then or whatever but you know the, the difficult thing about it honestly is that I don't know um, you know we've touched on this before and you know I've answered this question a million times but you know if I did know I wouldn't want to be hiding it do you know what I mean um, I want to be out there more than anything but at the moment, I feel like there's a shell, there's an outside yeah. shell that yeah. you know that, that's me, and you know, he's shaky, and you know yeah. smiles, and is happy, and whatever else. But you know, the inside smashed in a million pieces in a minute, and uh, it's just giving it giving it time, and, and hoping that it's going to come back together again. Out of interest, Shane, would you actually be able to race at the moment? But it's just too much of a risk in case a crash happened or something happened, or would it just be too painful to actually race? Well, my surgeon told me because I said to him, well, "What if I just say f you? I want to race, right? Absolutely." No problem at all. Go ahead. I'll take all the metal work out of your spine. He said, but uh, just be aware that when you uh, when you end up falling down or, or headbutting another tile or whatever, paralysis will be probably about your best outcome. Yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, you know, if there's one thing this crash showed me, it's uh, it's it's what what you mean to to people and and how little you don't to others. Um, 
you know, I don't want to get all controversial and stuff, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm certainly not going to be doing it for anybody other than me and my family if I can come back. Yeah, good for you. Actually, have you been back to Snetterton since the crash? I suppose you haven't, have you? No, but we'll be going there soon, won't we? Yeah. I mean, that's not an issue. Listen, I don't blame a racetrack. Um, no, but just in terms of, you know, the emotional thing when you're going to go through the gates, you think you're going to be thinking back to that day. Can you remember much of the day until it actually happened? I remember all of it, yeah. I remember the crash. I remember, I remember laying on the floor thinking, um, you know, I, I've always said on... Um, in any interview or you know I'm always quite open I'm always quite honest and I'll tell you that uh, when you when you have a crash on one of these motorbikes right and you're sliding down the road at god knows what speed and you're you know you're going towards a barrier or you're rolling through the gravel trap or you know you've broken a leg or you know you've broken a wrist or whatever before you've even stopped rolling or when you come to a stop if you've hit something or whatever you sit there and think right how long is this going to take to fix right and I always said that all the time you're sitting there thinking to yourself right how long is this going to take to fix right I can go and see such and such and I've got a doctor that can do this and that surgeon could fix that or whatever mm. and all the time you've got that mentality there's no point in stopping racing because that's that's yeah. that's the mentality you need but I said that when you the, the day that I lay in the gravel trap and think to myself oh flip me that one hurt do you know what I mean yeah. uh, and I have to have a bit of a think about it that's when you got to raise the question and let me tell you now, when I was laying in the barrier at Snedston yeah I was having all sorts of thoughts for a minute and uh, they weren't about coming back quick that's for sure yeah I bet they weren't well anyway sorry we got onto that but um, I on think people note, yeah on a brighter note yeah but it's, it's good to hear that you're, you're feeling upbeat and enjoying being here that's the main thing talking of the racing then as you just said you're obviously feeling a bit jealous of them out there and wanting to be in the mix and you definitely would have been up the front no doubt about that but what a weekend I mean I suppose there's a few factors you can tell me if I'm wrong but I suppose the fact we're on a shorter track has bunched it up it's a bit of a Phillip Island effect long sweeping corners not such long straights and it sort of negated some of the strengths I'd say some of the bikes is that fair to say so it's given us this close racing yeah I mean ultimately you know the way you have to look at it is that um, the, the shorter the track the closer the pack are going to be yeah um, you know we, we've been seeing sort of one minute and six second uh, laps around here so we've seen the top 20 covered by you know pretty much a second which is which is fairly standard you know if we mm. go to Branzac Indy you'd see the same sort of thing um, Nokia you'll probably see a similar sort of difference mm. um, you know go to a longer track um, like Sneston for instance or Alton Park or Brands GP and that top 20 is then going to be covered by you know maybe three seconds or three and a half seconds um, so yeah it, it's kind of it, it, it's about right if you you know what I mean? Um, I think that the, the national circuit's a great addition to the championship. When you when you think about the the bigger picture just for one second, um, and, and think about what's happened this weekend with Scott having the three wins, yeah. you can't help but think to yourself, you know what? You know, he's rode at Donington now, which in my opinion was the place where he would get to, you know, show his hand, if you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but we come back here and we come back to the full GP circuit, which he knows really well. Yeah, um, that's and that's showdown as well. Then, isn't exactly. it? and uh, we'll go to Brands which he's going to go to next anyway and the other one is Assen which yeah. he knows very well from his GP days yeah. so uh, yeah he's doing all the right things at the minute to uh, to set out his stall for, for the British Super Championship this year yeah, and you've just reminded me actually with that I remember doing an interview with him earlier in the year and he said just that he said if we can just get to that showdown he said I know those three tracks like the back of my hand and at the moment if he carries on doing what he's doing he's definitely going to be in that showdown isn't he yeah I mean listen um, one of the things that that we need to contemplate is the fact that um, you know the, the technical rules we'll get a look at um, yeah. you know 
they aren't going to be allowed to just go off and win the rest of the races mm. for the season right now. But at the same time, I firmly believe that while Scott will do a, a great job at Brands Hatch, um, Josh Brooks is very fast at Brands, yeah. and Tommy Breibold is very fast at Brands. And if we have like you know three Ducatis on the podium in, in both races or whatever, it's not going to take um, too long before Mr. Higgs has a little think about you know the, the the level of the machinery and you know perhaps contemplates doing. In doing something however that being said the machines were were addressed if you don't know I mean before, yeah, before before the championship started I'm not going too much into that because otherwise it'll get taken out of my podcast and uh, there's no <laughs> point doing it in the first place but now we go on back to some back to some kind of normal BSB tracks if you like and yeah, I think that the championship now will go into a phase where people start trying to sort themselves out a little bit for the top six and you know different mm-hmm. riders going to come strong or Jason O'Halloran today you know I can't help but feel sorry for that guy yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, he's been pretty much fastest all through winter testings. Looks super strong. Um, you know, a lot of the time, hurt himself obviously at the uh, Autumn Park test. Hurt himself quite a lot more than he actually let on. Um, and it wasn't until after the Autumn yeah. round that he, yeah. he kind of announced the full uh, extent of his injury, which was which was pretty severe. Um, and then he went and fell down again today. So uh, yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for Jason and McCam's team. Watching the racing today, I thought Tommy Bribe had done a great job, to be honest, and got very unlucky with the. The actual position in which he finished, uh, but I said to him on uh, Saturday afternoon, Tommy, you, you rode absolutely immaculately. You rode, you rode beautifully. You, you look better on the V4 than you looked on the V2. Yeah. Um, you look as happy as I've ever seen you ride a motorbike, but you cannot ride 26 qualifying laps. Um, you know, for the guys that will will watch the races, you know, they'll see Tommy on these big, wide, swooping lines and. You know, he said some of it was down to his gearing. He had sort of taller gearing on than the PBM boys, so needed to keep up a little bit more corner speed to keep the RPM up in the middle of the corner. Right. Um, but you can't get, you know, you get past once, that's fine. You get past twice, that's fine. But when you get past like six, seven, eight, nine times, all in the same kind of area, you've yeah. got to actually think to yourself, well, right, okay, <laughs> I need to start defending. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we had a little bit of a chat, and uh, I think today he rode really well. And it honestly looked like he'd lost out on a podium until the very last uh, really last chicane in the last race there but you know, the movie put on Taz on the brakes until the last chicane was, was fantastic and clean as well yeah. I think we've seen some very very good uh, very clean racing especially at the front um, you know we've seen a bit of argy-bargy in the mid-pack but exactly. you know we're, we're used to that they're like a bunch of axe murderers back there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing I thought Scott Redding was pretty smart in that second race though the first one today when that rain started coming down Bridewell was putting his hand up wasn't he and I reckon Redding thought I've got to get a head over that line because I think he knew the red flag was probably going to come out and he was ahead over the line wasn't he yes he was he done a great job I mean Tommy uh, Tommy was very upset after that race um, and I, was, I haven't actually heard from him what did he say yeah he just he just thought that uh, you know he put his hand up a few times a couple of laps earlier on um, yeah. but obviously you know the, the rules in BSB state that the, a race can't be declared yeah. until it reaches two thirds distance and I think Tommy put his hand up uh, maybe a lap or two too early because yeah. um, it was only really sorry to button it was only really raining at Redgate then wasn't it the other part of the track from what I heard was more or less dry still yeah Redgate and Craner but yeah. you know I'll happily take you well I'd love to do it right now but I can't but I'd happily take you down <laughs> Redgate and Craner yeah. Yeah. on a on a on a pillion ride and mm. sort of peel at 120 130 miles an hour into that left you know the first time you touch the left hand side of the tyre in a long time with a little bit of damp track and, and see how you feel about we don't have to do it if you don't whether, want to whether, don't whether worry it's, 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 it's okay um, <laughs> 
you know, at the end of the day, the one thing we have to bear in mind is that, you know, it, it is riders' lives on the, on the yeah. line, you know, yeah. and, you know, that, that might sound like it's dramatising things a little bit. I don't mean it as a, as a dramatisation. What I mean is Jack Kennedy, you know, a simple mistake, ran the curbs every single lap and then mm. one lap he runs the curbs and yeah. he's got a broken skateboard. Yeah. Um, you tuck the front down through the Craner Club or through Craner Club, through Craner Curves <laughs> yeah. and, you know, you might slide for forever, not have a mark on you, but tumble the wrong way and break a yeah. collarbone or you know worse and and, and all of a sudden it's uh, you know it's a, it's a big chunk of time out of out of the race and or out of the out of the season and you know potentially causes a big problem so you know Stuart's very fair he he asks Stuart Higgs that is the race director he asks all of the riders on the grid um, in fact I saw him when I was on the grid asking uh, or telling Tommy Bribe like, any any problem with the conditions if it gets too wet just put your hand up Tommy did that as I said but he did it at two laps early and he was the only one doing it at that point the race never got stopped because I guess if it did it would have had to have been rerun and then sort of Scott timed absolutely beautifully got to yeah. the front put his hand up and the race got stopped so yeah, yeah Tommy was feeling a bit a bit bitter now I can't ignore this because there are people on Twitter and about the paddock saying that it feels it's a bit unfair they only stopped it because Reading is ahead I personally do not think that is the case I really don't I just think it wasn't perhaps raining hard enough at that point and Tommy was just unlucky I'm afraid to say that's my feeling naturally in a situation like this you're always going to get people looking for a bit of a conspiracy theory aren't you or a different opinion you are yeah um, 100% and you know sometimes as a rider I've been guilty of it in the past as well and, and other riders let me tell you now other riders have been guilty of it as well because uh, there was a there was a, a conspiracy theory once that the, the showdown tracks were too strong for me and that was why I was always winning championships at the end of the year and one of my weakest tracks on the on you know in the in the calendar if you like was always Alton Park and all of a sudden Alton Park popped up as a, as a showdown track you know you, you sit there and you think really you know my worst track and we've got to go there now in a, in a showdown you can't help but think well is that because at the time one of the tracks for, for one of my green rivals was you know was probably his strongest track um, but listen you know there's there's ifs buts and maybes in racing and you know plenty of people have said oh you know we go to Brands three times a year because it's shaky's back garden and he always wins there and blah 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 but it's a load of crap you know mm. at the end of the day you're paid to ride a motorbike and you're paid to ride a motorbike fast and you're paid to win on that motorbike in, in, in any given track um, yeah. and, and that's what you set out to do because to be honest whatever anyone does says or whatever there's always going to be somebody somewhere who's unhappy aren't they it happens all the time there's always going to be someone who's complaining about something do you know what two of two of the people or certainly one of the people that I probably respect more than anybody else in the paddock you know you know as well as I do from, from sitting here starting this podcast you know we just found out that, that people people get stuff you know um, people you wouldn't expect to be treated in, in certain ways you know yeah. get treated like that and, and for me it's like seriously you know you Sometimes people need to think a lot about what they're what they're saying and, and the the mannerisms they use to you know to address certain types of people and uh, yeah. yeah it's funny it's funny how so much goes on behind the scenes and so many things happen and, and whatever else and you know we see this glossy picture and think everything's cool and everything's rosy and actually being on the inside of it it's like being in it's like being in a set of EastEnders or something yeah, it's, it's, it's quite it is, cool yeah. <laughs> it, is, it really is who needs EastEnders when you've got this soap opera it's great though I do have to say though nothing against Tommy Briver I think the podcast he did last week we had such an interesting chat and I do think today he clearly felt it was time to stop that's why he put his hand up um, and he got unlucky really didn't I actually feel sorry 
for him. Tommy's got his best opportunity um, of his whole career to to become British Superbike champion. Yeah. He spoke quite openly about knowing that he needed to to win races, and you know he's not far away from doing that. Um, I did think that that Scott would be strong this weekend, and I did think that you know Scott would put his cards on the table if you like. And I thought Tommy's Tommy's comments, you know, would be better sort of kept to himself and, and spoken about on track. Um, but Tommy wears his heart on his sleeve, and and you know that's why everybody loves him because he's not shy to say what he thinks. Yeah. Um, and you know the guy believes he can win races, and let's face let's face it, he wasn't far off. Um, but you know it's it's difficult you know he was on the he was on the sort of wrong end of a, of a decision today that, that he asked for and, and obviously feels a feels a little bit upset but yeah like I said to him listen bite your tongue go to Brands Hatch go well there anyway and you know there's some people that are going to have to learn that track you know things will things will turn around again and you know we'll get another completely different round um, of BSB racing a few quickfire tweets uh, John McRae has tweeted in he reckons that Stuart Higgs has given a very detailed explanation on his Twitter feed this is talking about how red flags work what we were just talking about it's worth reading as he explains exactly what happened and how clever Reading was uh, yeah I think that's where Stuart probably said Scott was smart to, to make sure he was ahead there knowing the red flag could come out I reckon that's what that is uh, David Anderson shaky it's my dad's birthday next week so happy birthday to you in advance should I make him a chocolate cake or a carrot cake what does shaky reckon I'd say I'd say a coffee cake actually really? uh, yeah, I'd, I'd skip the carrot cake. Uh, what about the chocolate cake? Yeah, chocolate cake's a bit rich, isn't it? There's mm, nothing better mm. than a really nice, uh, you know, coffee cake <laughs> and just, yeah, just, just kind of roll with it. Or I love fruit cake personally. Mm. Um, and I also like, like Victoria sponge as well. But I'd say make him a coffee cake. He might like that. Just going back to Imola very quickly when me, you and Jim Witt went for an ice cream and then Matt Roberts joined us. What ice creams did you have? I went for mint and coffee, funnily enough. What did you have? Flipping out, Greg. I can't remember that. <laughs> Was it mango? It was something fruity. No, it wasn't mango. No, I will have had... White chocolate. Uh, yeah, white, I had white chocolate, mint choc chip and vanilla, didn't I? Something like that. It was something like that, wasn't it? Just in case anyone was wondering, which you wouldn't have been, but well, there you go. I wouldn't even have known, Greg, so how would that there, there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Some more of these quickfire tweets. Uh, Linda, hello to Linda. What job, Shaky, would you do in an ideal world if you actually decided, I've had enough, I'm going to retire from racing, what would you want to do then? I really enjoy the position I'm in at the moment. Um, That's good news. I'm not just saying that because I'm doing it and it's in the moment, if you like. But um, a few people have said this to me and, and I really enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The, the problem is I can't see past racing a motorbike at the moment. You know, my heart still wants to go and race a motorbike. My back, as I'm sat here, is flipping, killing me on this stall. But <laughs> I can't help but think, oh, it'd be lovely to get out there today. Um, because but because that's what's in me that's all I've done for 20 odd years but I do believe that the, the second best job in this paddock if you like is is the, the job that I'm, I'm currently doing with Eurosport and I really enjoy doing it so yeah maybe maybe that's the answer winning the lottery actually would be a, a yeah. good occupation yeah. but but doing it with Euro millions so that you'd never have to <laughs> never have to worry oh maybe one of them American ones you know the ones where they win like a billion dollars or yeah, something that, I, wow. I reckon I could have pretty much well I could have a pretty good life on that there was a great quote I read once from one of those motivational speakers and he said money doesn't necessarily make you happy but I've had money and I haven't had money and believe me it's better to have money and it's true isn't it if you've got money I suppose Listen, um, all the time you've got your family Greg that's all you need yeah, yeah I agree with you completely Philip Armstrong first of all obviously Glenn this is Irwin he's talking about of course doesn't need any more press 
pressure uh, in terms of what's happening at the moment. But is the emergence of Hector Barber going to be something else for Glenn to worry about? He's had a good weekend, Hector Barber, hasn't he? Although he's not doing the full season, obviously. <laughs> not yet. Um, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, listen, racing's a, racing's a flipping savage world. Um, you know, the reason so many riders ride injured and, and, you know, get on bikes when they perhaps shouldn't is because if they don't, somebody else will take their job. And, um, you know, the fact that Glenn finished... He was down in 19th at one point in that race, and I think he finished maybe... Did he finish 11th or was he 15th? Um, You know, after a few people crashing out, he finished there. That's not not the kind of positions, and Glenn's a friend of mine, that's not the kind of positions that Glenn wants to finish in, and it's certainly not the kind of positions that the defending champions want to finish in. And the fact that uh, a guy who's never ridden a BSB bike before, um, okay, he knows the track, but he's not been on the tyres, not been on a bike with no electronics for a long time... Um, can come in and, and run top five all race long. Um, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't do Glenn any favours whatsoever. Um, saying Glenn doesn't need pressure is, is one thing, but nobody nobody puts more pressure on you than you put on yourself because ultimately the biggest loser in any of it is you. Um, there's nothing worse than driving back down the M1. Um, after a crap weekend but there's nothing better than driving back down the M1 after three wins um, you know Scott's going to Scott's going to enjoy that sensation tonight yeah. that's for sure yeah. Yeah, stunning stuff from Scott Redding um, Glenn Irwin's going to get there though isn't he he's, he's not lost the talents he's had I mean he was up there several times last year on the Ducati what they talk about confidence all the time don't they and I guess it is a confidence thing uh, it's not uh, yeah I'm not in the in the game of, of kind of saying good or bad things about yeah. anybody you know I don't want to talk badly about anybody but I don't think Glenn would think I'm being unfair when I say that his results need to improve quite drastically he expects that and the reason he expects that is because he works so hard at it and you know I'll stand by I don't think there'll be many people on the track that put as much into racing a motorbike off the track as he does mm. and he takes his fitness very very seriously he's very dedicated you know his diet's good um, his mental preparation everything's really good it's just not gelling with the Kawasaki at the moment and uh, you know for whatever reason that may be um, you know it's something they need to figure out he's got a new crew chief this weekend in Phil Marum who was um, Eugene loved his crew chief for a number of years um, he's currently working with um, top rack Razgut Lioglu in, uh, in World Superbike so yeah. knows the Kawasaki well knows where it works knows where it doesn't um, um, you know, and a fellow Northern Irishman for, for Glenn to work alongside. Um, and, you know, Glenn started the weekend saying, you know, that was that was the answer. But unfortunately, the results this weekend haven't, haven't really shown that yet. Yeah, well, good luck, everyone in that team. Good luck, Glenn. Hopefully you'll be back soon. Right, let's quickly reel off names. We've got no script, by the way, recording this podcast. We haven't got the results in front of us. We're literally thinking, we're trying to think with our heads, aren't we? So <laughs> what could possibly we're, go we're wrong? We're in a world of danger here. Xavi <laughs> <laughs> um, Forrest on the Honda, not just for Chavi Forres and BSB but Honda as well superb weekend for them and I think the whole paddock's pleased to see them back up there I feel absolutely in some ways devastated for Chavi Forres this weekend <laughs> because had Scott Redding not done a triple Chavi yeah. Forres would have been my rider of the week for, or rider of the day, well, weekend for yeah, sure yeah. Um, you know we, we talked a little bit um, on air with, with Eurosport about um, about you know the bikes at, at one point in the show and you know I, I firmly believe that uh, the right rider 
on, on any of the top bikes could win races. Yeah. Um, and I don't discount the Honda in, in that in that you know group of bikes. You said uh, that as well, didn't you? To be fair, in the I think it was the first podcast of the year. It was. It was the first podcast of the year. He said, write off Chavi for us at your peril, and here we are. I, well, listen, <laughs> nobody likes a gloater, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, he's a talented guy. He, he quite often beat the factory Ducatis on a, on a, a privateer factory Ducati, if yeah, you like, yeah. last year. Um, very, very good rider. Another rider that knows his track quite well. Um, another rider I think will see do well at places like Assen. Um, you know, I think him and Scott follow similar, similar trends. Um, it's fair to say that Chavi probably suffered a little bit more at um, Alton Park than Scott did. Um, but Chavi's biggest problem, I believe, with the Honda at the moment is wheelie. Um, it's really hard to control the bike's wheelie. And, and believe it or not, in um, 2012, when uh, the decision was made to, to run the bikes with control ECUs and no traction, no wheelie control and stuff like that, I actually left Honda because the the Honda's anti-wheelie was like always working overtime. You know, mm. I was using rear brake pads like they were going out of fashion because that was one of the fundamental problems with that bike at that point in time. So when we were going to go to an ECU with no control whatsoever over wheelie, I just thought, oh my God, the Honda's going to be a disaster. And, you know, I don't mean that in a bad way, but Birdie off of me, a Kawasaki that had the, at the time, had a big heavy crank, you know, was that the inertia built up really, really slowly. It wasn't so much of a problem with a wheelie job. And, I took it and, and went on and, and you know did all right but um, I know Chavi's problem with the bike at the moment is wheelie and obviously Autumn Park lends itself to, to wheelie more than pretty much every other circuit on the calendar we talked about Ducatis we talked about Forres uh, Yamaha very quickly you've talked about uh, Halloran Tara McKenzie's had a very solid weekend he needed one and he's had one he's a bit of a silent assassin isn't he Taron? you know yeah. he just kind of always comes good on a Sunday and uh, I actually spoke with his, his crew chief who was my crew chief when I won back here actually in, in 2002 Chris Anderson Oh, and he really? said that mm-hmm. um, he said that that Taron's a different guy this year. He said he left the end of last season as a as a twenty year old kid that was you know quite good with feedback and whatever else. He said, but he's turned up this year like a, he described him as a twenty five year old guy with like years of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, he said his feedback's gone up another level and uh, he, the aura around him, you know, his his uh, his calmness and the way he's going about this season. He said he's just he's just stepped it up so yeah. much, and uh, you can see that by no matter what happens. You in, in qualifying or practice you know come the come the races he's always there or thereabouts so yeah the kid's doing a good job so much like his dad isn't he so quiet and calm and unassuming off the track and he's an absolute menace on the track and it all started like that at Silverstone it was almost like a signal to everyone wasn't it yep 100% yeah no the kid's doing it I, I like him I like him a lot and uh, yeah I hope hope to see him do really well and, and, and get amongst it but uh, yeah I think we're going to see big things you know throughout the rest of the season from, from him and Taz otherwise before we go anyone else in particular you wanted to throw in a mention for um Javi Forrest has been my man this weekend mm. a big shout out to Hector Barbara I think he's done a yeah. great job um you know it's great to, to get a GP guy into the into the paddock and see him do well um Scott Redding you can't not mention Josh Brooks has been real strong Tommy Bridewell's rode immaculately um young Brad Jones in the in yeah. the super sport class he impressed me yeah, really good race um our Eurosport runner guy actually oh Tristan, Tristan yeah, yeah. sorry oh yeah 
yeah. He, um, he won the first race today. It's, it's quite funny that he, he kind of wrote to Eurosport to ask to, you know, yeah. if he could come and help us yeah. out in, in media. And uh, he's still racing motorbikes and racing a KTM 390 mm. in, the, in the Supersport, free, well, Supersport, yeah, Junior Supersport, Supersport Championship. Yeah. And uh, he went and won a race this morning. Yeah, and it it's is, like, yeah. blimey, he goes, to, he goes to win a race. Like on, on Saturday, he's like wandering around <laughs> with me, like picking up sheets for me and doing stuff and, you know, helping me out with bits and pieces so that, that, that our Facebook Live thing went well. And then the next day, he goes out and win a race. So, yeah, fair play to him. I feel a bit down for Jack Kennedy. Um, didn't yeah. really need the injuries he's got. I think you have to take your hat off to Alistair Seeley for his, um, how can you put it? his ability to always be there when yeah. it matters um, yeah. I listened to Steve Wilf Moore actually tell Tommy Bridewell choose any lap you want to lead to win the race to, to lead the race Tommy but just make sure it's the last, it's the last one, one. <laughs> um, and you know Alistair Alistair kind of pulled that off you know he led a few laps in that super sport race but you know spent plenty of time battling with the guys but uh, just when it looked like it was all about to go wrong you know he comes back and, and wins the race um, very similar to Scott Redding in the first race today Lewis Rolo is it the yeah Lewis yes yeah. first win today yeah, he was um, in stock, uh, try options very, last year. Stock very tricky out. conditions. Yeah, and very, uh, very yeah, good. he went out and uh, and won his first race today. So, yeah, compliments to him. That was a great job. Um, Richard Cooper, I, I thought they'd struggle to beat him around here, to mm. be honest. I, I, he was my tip for that race. But uh, he sort of started off very, very steady and then just nipped through to second at the end. But, um, yeah, I think it's been a great weekend. As I said, the National Circuit's been a great addition to the championship. And uh, roll on Brands actually in three weeks' time. Yeah, and by the way, for anyone who didn't see the last junior super sport race the day i was commentating with james hayden it was unbelievable so try and watch it on bsb extra or the eurosport player last thing because we talked about it with james whittam and all the crew last night i think we should finish on this how good and we're blowing our own trumpet here at eurosport how good was that replay of josh brooks incident on saturday did you not hear how excited i got about it on screen (laughs) you know there's not many things that 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 kind of catch my attention and and sort of grab me like that did you know the way that the, the camera man done such an amazing shot and you know when when they played it on slow-mo like high resolution slow-mo tv and you see like the the, the forces that are going through that bike like literally twisting yeah. the thing and, and trying to almost pull the tires off the rim and then josh getting flicked up into the air so talk about getting flicked into the air what about keith farmer that was a big high side today um hopefully keeps all right but yeah going back to that shot um cameraman done a great job and and it was just fascinating to sit there and, and, and watch it just all happening in slow motion I mean you know Josh said that the uh, the airbag going off was probably the most painful part of the whole thing which I find a little bit difficult to believe because you know I've, I've been and tested in um, in Italy with, with Alpine Stars and they've set airbags off whilst I've been stood there and it doesn't hurt at all but um, I spoke to Alpine Stars about it and, and you know, they explained that uh, they've been here this weekend um, with a race support truck because yeah. of the British Talent Cup and mm. you know looking after the guys they've been BSB now Um, but yeah they, they kind of explain that they use a completely different method and, and whatever else. But, you know, to, to show how much work goes into stuff like that um, and, and bearing in mind that airbags are mandatory now in MotoGP, Moto2 and Moto3, 
back in the days when I was in MotoGP in 2005 with Alpine Stars, we were wearing um, back protectors with um, like G sensors and stuff mm. all built into them. Um, and the idea was that one day, this was back in 2005, let's not forget, nearly yeah. 15 years ago, one day the suits will have airbags in them that will function and will protect the riders. So that's how many years worth of right. development has gone into making that happen. Yeah, because they detect a, a weird movement, don't they? So it's already gone off by the time to cushion the blow. It doesn't go off when you hit the ground. It's already gone off, obviously, hasn't it? Yeah, and you know, the, the most incredible fact about the whole thing is that Gabriele, the guy that owns Alpine Stars, told me, hand on heart, they never had a false deployment. Really? And you imagine how many guys around the globe in MotoGP or Superbike, BSB, yeah, um, I'm not amazing. sure what level of riders below that yeah. get, get the full airbag suit that, that, that I might get to race in. But, you know, how many races, how many miles, how many crashes, how many near crashes, how many flicked out of the seats and not quite crashes have they had, but they've never had a false deployment. That is unbelievable, isn't it? I remember somebody had one in GP racing, but it obviously wasn't Alpine Stars, and they had a big moment and it went off, which is obviously not supposed to do. But that is pretty amazing. I'll tell you one thing I did do without crashing, but it did set the airbag off. Um, you know, the guys all, all know Alton Park, right? When you come onto the start-finish straight at Alton Park, you go down the dip, and there's a there's an Armco barrier just on the left. And yeah. with the with the Panigale, you had to run real close to it. And I clipped the the Armco barrier with my shoulder Ooh. on the way past. Really? Uh, one lap in uh, in a test day, and um, I just got a little bit of a slide as I come over the crest and it kind of pinged the bike straight a little bit. And I just brushed against it, and that set the airbag off whilst I was riding. Um, but that's the only time an airbag. When you crash, the system's that good that you don't even know it's deployed. Yeah. Which surprised me when Josh said, yeah. oh, you know, the airbag went off and it hurt yeah. and it surprised me and whatever else. But he doesn't mm. use Alpine Stars, unfortunately. And that's why. Alpine <laughs> <laughs> Stars ambassador shaky bell there. Uh, what are you doing there before the next round we've got? Are you off to Jerez with us next week for World Supers or not? We don't know yet, do we? I'm not sure. I'm actually off to Spain tomorrow morning. Um, four o'clock I leave tomorrow morning. Um, four a.m.? Four a.m. All right, I better let you go. You're keeping me here waffling. <laughs> favours whatsoever <laughs> um, but uh, yeah no I'll be off um, 4 a.m. we're going down for 10 days or so to the house and looking forward to a little bit of R&R uh, &R, if you like and then uh, and then probably coming back and maybe jumping straight on a flight to come back out to Spain back to Rep. Rep. But, uh, yeah hopefully we're doing that hopefully I'll see you there and uh, look forward to Brands and, and do our next podcast after that thanks very much I'll see you there and if I don't see you there I'll see you at Brands Hatch uh, we will be back of course with a full throttle podcast next week no idea yet who's going to be on it so send me suggestions if you want and then Shake I'll see you very soon so thanks again thanks mate take care Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter that's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.